story, big story, where we're taking a fresh look at some of the seminal stories in our scripture library to find how these small stories might point us to the big story of God's love for us and for all people, and maybe even find that the heart of our story has a part in this big story as well. But before we get to the story that we're talking about today, I want to start off with a question for you in here. And we're going to be risky and confessional in this space right now, so just know this is a safe place for you. But are you ready? Okay. I want you to raise your hand, and truly raise your hand. If when it comes to faith, um, how many here have ever had doubts or questions? Okay, just look around the room real quick. Keep those hands up. Yeah, okay, you can put them down. Every single person here pretty much uh, had their hands up um, in, in this space, except for Elliot. I don't know our, if our uh, uh, six-month-old had his hands up. Oh, yeah, his hand's up now, too. Okay, cool. Lots of questions about the world. Uh, so I don't know about you, but that is so incredibly encouraging to me uh, because there's this message sometimes that we hear in faith spaces, and, and it's not always spoken, uh, but that, that really following God and doing it right is about not having doubt not having questions. Somehow faith and questions are in opposition to each other. Yet here in this room, in a faith community, are a bunch of people pursuing God and good and life and faith and love, and we've had doubts along the way, maybe even more than one of them, <laughs> too. And so what's up with that? For me, like growing up in my upbringing, um, I've been a part of a, I was part of a faith community in which, you know, I, I think you weren't really supposed to be question people. You're supposed to be answer people on this journey, uh, where it might not have been safe to raise your hand. Uh, because often, I think, sometimes modern American Christianity uh, reduces faith to, to a narrow set of intellectual propositions that our job is to say true or false to. If we believe some specific things about God or or the Bible, or dinosaurs, or dancing, or something like this, that, that you're golden. But the consequence to that vision of things is that the moment that things become more complex, more nuanced, the moment that you can't wrap your brain around all of it, or, or some circumstance happens in your life that easy answers can't make sense of, we worry that our whole faith is coming apart, that our worldview can't hold together, that we're somehow disqualified by doubt. And that could not be farther from the truth. Uh, as Shaley read for us, God invites us to seek, wants us to seek. Because the God who created the universe and all of its beauty and complexity and diversity and quantum uncertainty, that God is big enough for our questions. And in fact, God invites us to investigate, to seek, to question. As the poet Jeremiah gives voice to, God says, seek me and you will find me. In seeking we will find. Not that we find easy answers or all the answers or that all of a sudden the, the clouds will open and part, but that we will find an encounter in that seeking with something that's bigger than us. We'll find a faith and a grounding and a peace in the midst of our questions. And that is so much more than answers. We find a faith that is resilient and tested. What we find is that we're shaped and we grow through that process of seeking and we begin to develop roots that go down deep and we walk a faith that is tested and flexible and humble and strong and nuanced, which is why I'm so glad to be part of a faith community and, a, and a, where questions aren't swept under the rug, but rather are swept up into our life together. Or rather, than trying to drive the questions away, we let the questions drive us 
to seek, to seek after God, after goodness, after growth, to seek after our neighbor and love for neighbor in new and expansive ways. And so each week as we begin our time at Open, we don't always raise our hands about the questions and the doubts that we bring with us, but we speak this liturgy together that says that all are welcome here. And it says this, no matter your doubts or questions, um, where you come from or who you love, even in the chaotic seasons of life, you are loved by God. All are welcome here. Because we believe that this is the heart of God, that questions, that doubts are welcome, that seekers are welcome, that all are welcome at Open, we believe that questions are an important conversation partner in our faith life because questions lead us to seek and to search and to wrestle and to investigate, to deepen, to change, and to grow. And being transformed is what this journey is all about. There's a benefit, maybe even, a benefit to doubt. And so don't let doubt take you out of seeking. Instead, let your questions lead you beyond where you are today and lead you on a journey of faith. And on that journey of seeking, it is often the questions that are the dynamo that drive us along our journey. So Elie Wiesel, uh, the Holocaust-surviving public theologian, says this beautiful statement that every question has a power that is lost in the answer. As our friend Celia Williamson taught us, sometimes we need to let the questions work their power on us. And that's what we choose to do here. The questions and the seeking stretch us and form us and help us find the God who created the ever-stretching universe and invites us to seek. So questions are dynamic because they invite us to move from where we are on a quest. That's what a question leads us to, a quest reaching beyond ourselves, beyond what we know, stretching us towards something more, toward the God who created all of this world and the God in whom is all that is true. And that God is big enough for our questions. And so when we have questions, you may be wondering, but you're not wandering. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Because as we seek, we just might find that God is seeking us with open arms. And I think that's why when we open up our scripture library and we find these stories about, about Jesus, that Jesus never gave easy answers to questions. Sometimes he just brought more questions into the story. He always called us further, to further thought, to deeper trust, to more questions. You know, not to memorizing Jeopardy trivia, but to a journey of faith and a journey that is always drawing us on. And so here's this classic, like, Jesus moment from, from John chapter 1. Some disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus and they ask, Rabbi, or teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus' answer is, come and see. And then Jesus texts them his address so that they can find him. No, like, he doesn't do that. He doesn't even give them an answer. He's just like, come with me. Come on this journey. He can't even answer, where do you live, without inviting people on a journey with him, right? So come and see is in some ways like Jesus' response to everything. Because Jesus wasn't inviting us to pat answers, but to profound encounter. And true knowledge comes through encounter and experience. And that's why his invitation over and over was to a journey. He said, follow me. Not believe all these things and don't doubt, but follow. Literally walk with me. Come and see for yourself. Test it out. Seek. Question. Try out my teachings. Try out this way of life and of love. Spend some time watching this in action, going on a journey, and along the way you just might encounter something worth having faith in. And you just might find love and life and meaning and purpose. And you just might find yourself shaped through that process of seeking. 
And so after all, Jesus called the followers that gathered around him, the followers of his way, called him disciples, which from this Greek word, methetes, which means a student or a learner. It means questions and wrestling and seeking the humility that we do not know everything and that we in some on this journey cannot know everything, but there is joy in discovery. And for disciples, for students and learners, questions are not disqualifying. Questions are the qualification to be a student on this journey. They're an invitation to go deeper, to learn more. And God invites us to seek. And so for those disciples who followed around Jesus, they, they doubted and they wrestled and they questioned. One of them even had the nickname Doubting Thomas, right? And they let him hang around the whole time with that nickname with them. Peter denied it all and ran away for a time. Uh, and we named kids after Peter. We don't name kids after Bartholomew, and he, like, he was pretty good as far as we know. We name him after Peter because there's something that resonates in his story. But for each of them, it was the journey of seeking and what they learned as they wrestled that made them who they are. And their impact on the world, what God did through them, was only possible because of the shape of their seeking and the transformation that happened in the process. If we had all the answers, it would not be faith. If we thought we had all the answers, we could not grow. And so maybe the opposite of faith isn't doubt, but it's being certain, thinking that we have all the answers already. And so the next time a preacher in some space asks you, do you doubt, do you question, just raise that hand high and like wave it in the air. Say it proudly, yes, of course we do. Uh, and, but all of us, the amazing thing about this place and about you and your courageous faith is that as we raised our hands, we are all here today in this place seeking God because we have faith and we have hope and we have love that these questions and these seeking, this dance of, of belief and doubt will make us better as we seek God together, that in our seeking we will find. And so I want to tell you a story from our scripture library about a guy in the Bible who had some questions and, and whose questions and the way that he went about it gives me a lot of hope. And I think we can learn a little bit from him maybe about what to do in those seasons in our life when we have doubts. It's important to know a little bit about who this character was, as we'll see in a little bit, but, but his name was John the Baptist, and he lived in the time of Jesus, and despite his nickname, he was not Baptist. Um, he was just famous for, like, baptizing people. That's what he did. He, so he didn't wear three-piece suits and slick his hair back. He wore camel skin and had crazy hair and hung out in the desert uh, preaching this radical message of righteousness and justice, of speaking truth to power by name, and basically calling on the world and us uh, to change, to love, and to live radically, and, and declaring that God was at work in the world, and that God was doing something big. And so one day, at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, uh, Jesus goes to hear John speak, and John sees Jesus coming, and just yells out, behold, the Lamb of God, toward Jesus. And everybody who's listening to John just like turn around and look at Jesus, and I just imagine Jesus standing there like, hi. <laughs> It's like my first, you know, week out on the, in public. Uh, and so John was the first one to declare Jesus' identity and to point people in his direction. And later, John would send his own disciples to go follow Jesus instead, saying, I must decrease and he must increase. John was first and fearless and saw things so clearly. And there had been writings back in the day in, in, uh, in the prophet school of Isaiah that there would be a Messiah, a liberator who would come, and, and there would also be this figure who would prepare the way of that person. And John was the prepare the way guy. 
he was important, and everything that he had, with everything that he was, he proclaimed, and he lived for this mission of what God was doing in the world. And so if you made a list of people who would never have any doubts or any questions, who would only have certainty on their journey, John might be at the top of the list. But (laughs) then life happens. So one day, he's out there fulfilling his purpose, speaking truth to power, and the person that he was speaking against, Herod Antipas, the prefect of the region, had him arrested and thrown into jail at his palace. And you can imagine the, the turmoil of this experience. John began to wrestle with things. Uh, maybe these incredibly difficult circumstances that he was experiencing when he felt like he'd given so much and been so faithful and wondering where that came from. Or maybe it was this hope that he had, and now in this moment it seemed so hopeless, and he wondered where God was in the midst of it. But whatever it was in John's life that led him into this place, he began to wrestle in a very human way. So we've excavated Herod's palace, and we've seen prisons like that that John was held in. And the prison was was really an underground dungeon with these tiny little slit windows at the top that let in very little light. And there's times in our life when it seems like we're in places like that where there's just a little light and it's dim and it's hard to see. We want more clarity and we want more enlightenment than we have. And John in that place began to wrestle and ask those questions that our faith asks in those very moments. Is this way that I've been walking worth putting my trust in? the sacrifices that I've made, what this is calling of me. Is it trustworthy? Is this heading somewhere? Is there a God who sees me? Is God at work in the world and in my life? Why, he asks. He was having a hard time seeing, I think. And so John, in this very human moment, gathers some of his friends, and he sends them out to ask Jesus a question. And this is the question. Go ask Jesus Are you the one we are seeking, or should we look for another? And you can imagine their shock. Like, John, you can't ask Jesus that. Like, besides, you're the the prepare-the-way guy. You're you're the guy who's, like, been out there doing the stuff. He's going to be so disappointed in you. You may have to step down from the camping committee. Um, (laughs) You're going to have to turn in your cross necklace, you know, whatever, whatever it is. John, where is your faith? Do you know where his faith was? It was was in the question. This was a question of great vulnerability, great courage, and great faith to ask. (laughs) He knew what he was seeking. He was seeking the one, the liberator, the righteousness and justice of God, and he had some questions on that journey just like we do. When we look at our world and we look at our culture and we look at ourselves, we have questions about this journey that we're on. But here's the first thing that he did in faith. He took his questions, and he took them to the right place. He took them to the source with courage. What courageous faith it took to ask Jesus this question. Because faith isn't about repressing our struggle. It's not about hiding it from others or from God. Faith is about trusting that there might just be an answer and seeking it with all you are and asking all of the questions that get you there with vulnerability and courage 
and faith. And it's that kind of seeking with all that we are that God says we just might find. And so if you've got doubt, if you've got questions, keep seeking. Investigate. Investigate science and history and philosophy and social science and and talk to your neighbors. There is so much truth in our world that we can find through our seeking. And as Augustine said in the fourth century, all truth is God's truth. This is all part of the story. But in the midst of that seeking, keep seeking God. Stay open. Take it to the source. Keep seeking with an openness of heart and mind as you go. And you know what? As we do, all of us in this room are doing just that. We are here today seeking God, seeking to follow after the way of life and love that Jesus shows us because we have faith and we have hope. This seeking, this dance and journey of faith and doubt, this following after, in that seeking we will find and that in the heart of God, in the love of God, that seekers are welcome. And in fact, seeking is the journey for us. So the disciples of John, friends of John, go to Jesus with this real powerful, vulnerable question. Are you the one that we're seeking, or should we look for another? We've all asked that question many times in the midst of our circumstances and the condition of our world. And so Jesus' answer is so gentle, just as it is to you and to me when we ask as well. Jesus doesn't roll his eyes. (laughs) Jesus doesn't chastise John for asking how dare you or zap anyone with lightning like he's an angry Zeus or something. No, Jesus answers him, but answers him in this Jesus way, this beautiful, expansive, stretching, revisioning, reforming way. And so to this man who's asking, is it worth it? Is it is it true? Jesus doesn't say, you know, just tell him, just hang on, we're going to bust him out tonight. It's all going to be just fine. Or, or doesn't tell him that there's some secret greater plan that's at work in his imprisonment. He doesn't, you know, doesn't say, like, of course, you know, how dare you? But Jesus answers in this stretching way that invites him to keep seeking and helps him find what he's really looking for. So Jesus says this, go tell John what you hear and what you see, that the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the poor have good news brought to them. What's Jesus doing in this answer? I think in this answer, he's inviting John to lift up his eyes out of the focus only on his own circumstances and questions and to lift up his eyes and look around him at the God who's at work in small glimpses that break through the dungeons of our life, at work for good in the world to see the good in his neighbor, see the God who's working life in many places. And says, I know you may not be able to see it right now, but if you, work, if you look, you'll see that God is at work, God is good, and light is breaking through. Even if there's only a dim beam where you are, hold on, God is at work. And sometimes we need that invitation to lift our eyes up, to look past the immediacy of ourselves and to see that God is at work around us so that we can trust in the places where we are as well. That's oftentimes why, why serving others, when we reach out beyond ourselves, are the places where our faith begins to be strengthened. Because when we look up from our own lives and we look around at our neighbor and at our neighborhood, we begin to see God reflected and at work in all people. In the faces of Christ that we meet in our neighbor, we see God and we begin to know that just because we can't see it in our circumstances right now, that the sun still shines. 
and that God is still at work in our world for love and for good. And sometimes it is just that that we need to know in those moments. So John, John is invited, I think, by Jesus to look up around. And, and in looking up, to kind of take a broad vision of things. He's invited to look back at what John had already seen and already heard, to remember the way that he'd seen God at work, even if he can't right now. And sometimes we need to do that too. To look back at the way that God has been present and faithful and real to us in these moments and to see the places where life has broken forth. To remember that in our times now. He's invited too to, to look around him at God's work in the present moment and to look for the places that he's seeing healing happening and good news breaking out around him. And he's invited to look ahead too. The things that Jesus mentions of of this radical transformation and healing and liberation happening in our world, those were the signs that God was at work of this coming liberation. And even in this moment where John feels most assuredly unliberated, Jesus invites him to catch a glimpse of what lies ahead. And sometimes the tension between what we feel and what we see and what is right now and what we know should be and must be and will be. And that tension of that in-between. Sometimes that tension is, I think, the greatest sign in the depths of our soul that we know that this world and ourselves were built for something more. And that unsatisfaction that we feel is a sign that there is more that our heart longs for and that God is at work for. That there is more. That God has placed eternity and justice and righteousness and more on our hearts. To know deep down in our world that the, the pain and the brokenness and the hate and the division and the exclusion are not to be the end of the story, but they're like the middle chapters. Those chapters when it looks like Voldemort just might win before Harry shows up. And in that tension of the now, we know that this story is not yet finished. And even as we see light breaking through, in part, those moments can point us toward our faith, but it also invites us to remember and to be at work for more for a love that truly wins, and to be a part of the story and the work of making it so in our world, to join the work. Or for, for John to rekindle our commitment and our rest in the work to be done. Sometimes the lesson that we learn in seeking are the lessons that shape us and drive us toward what is ours to do. The work is so incredibly important, and it's important in our seeking as well, Sometimes if you're seeking, the work that is there for you to do is just simply to put one foot in front of the other on this journey. To pause as long as you need, but to remember that when you are ready, you are invited to move your feet. Now there's, but also in this work, uh, the witness of, of those around us and even of your own history is that there is nothing that makes this story more real than being a part of it, of joining the work. Because in those moments when we see love at work, when we see hope and faith alive, when we see the hungry 
fed and the hurting comforted and the refugee welcomed and the outsider included and the divisions fall and the seekers find and your seeking finding. Those are the places where we lift our eyes and we maybe, maybe, maybe even catch a glimpse of the God who is more and who is at work. And when you catch that glimpse on your journey, it changes everything. When your journey is intersected by God's, when your story is intersected by God's story, suddenly this God of the universe is no longer a category or a theory or a theology or some true or false quiz along the way. There is something alive and at work in our world, and because you've seen it, if only in a glimpse, you can know that this is trustworthy, that God is at work in you and through you and for you and with you and around you, and you'll be able to look up and look around. You'll be invited anew to put one foot in front of the other. Our questions aren't crises of faith. They are our faith journey. And it's by walking that journey, one foot in front of the other, by walking and working in love, that we can begin to see hope become real and find what it is that we seek. And so here in this place, we are hand-raising, like card-carrying seekers on this journey. And we seek to be students, to learn this way and to try to put it into practice. And sometimes, um, this is just me, in my seeking, I get, you know, I get the papers that I turn in, and they're pretty covered in red marks, and it's that experience of learning and growing that is a part of the process. But just like John, we try to take our seeking to the right place. So we take these gatherings together seriously, because we want you to experience deeply the God who is open to you on your journey. And we do it in community, because in others we see the image of God in new and enlightening ways. We try to look up and look around at our present reality to see the heart of God and to hear the call of God for us in our world. We try to look ahead to what should be and must be and will be, to what God is calling us to make a reality, our work to do, and to have the courage to put one foot in front of the other on our journeys, even when the steps are uncertain. But every step of the way, know this, that you have a home here in this community, in yourself, but most importantly, with your God, who is with you and for you every step of your journey, because that's who God is. We have a God who invites us, who says, seek me and you will find me. And so as we walk in love, as we work in love, keep seeking keep seeking. And when you do, the witness of those around you, the witness of your journey over and over is that when you seek, you find. And most importantly, you'll find that there's a God who is seeking you with open arms. All of you, your questions and your doubts, you, your vulnerable, courageous, true you. The God who loves you, knows you, informs you, shapes you, and loves you more than you can imagine, and is seeking you with open arms. So open your hearts, lift up your eyes, walk your journey, and seek that we might be found and that we might truly find. May we be a people who seek with all our heart, walk in love and work in love, and may we find life 
as we go together on this journey. Let's pray. Gracious, loving, seeking God, who invites us into this world to find you in a thousand places, in seven billion faces. God, who shows up in every blade of grass and flower petal and sunset, every person we pass on the sidewalk, everyone that we are invited to love with your kind of vulnerable, neighbor-empowering love. God, sometimes we find ourselves in those places where there's just not much light. God, and we have lots of questions. Thank you for being a God who invites us to ask and to seek, who welcomes our questions and responds to us with an expansive, inviting, stretching, forming love. In the midst of our journey, in the midst of our questions, when we do not know God, thank you for knowing us. God, when we can't hold it all together, thank you for holding us. God, thank you. Help us to lift our eyes, see you, and see our call to be a part of our work in this world. We lift all of this up to you and in your name.